It's that time of the year for us to take a look at uh, what other teams around the MLS that uh, St. Louis City can expect as they meet and uh, perhaps it during the season or just to follow along and know who the players and teams are. And we're going to do the Eastern Conference this week. We'll follow up with the Western Conference next week. Um, and we're going to go ahead and do this sort of in... We're going to start off with the teams that St. Louis City is going to be playing this season. And uh, for the uh, to start us off with the Eastern Conference, we're going to have Mason talking about uh, Charlotte FC, who have some of their fans have decided to make us enemy number one out there on social media. What do you got for us for uh, Charlotte uh, for this season? Ugh. Yeah, so the team that... Uh... <laughs> Because of some Twitter beef that perhaps we even started accidentally has made us enemy number one. Um, Charlotte FC in the East. Um, their head coach is Christian uh, Latanzio, I think. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, key in big ins for Charlotte. Um, Hamidi Diop, they got in the super draft. After trading four hundred thousand dollars in GAM and the twentieth pick overall to us, um, to acquire our first overall pick, um, Generation Adidas defender out of Clemson, and really regarded as one of the best defenders in the Super Draft pool for a second-year club that was pretty leaky in the back. I think that uh, a player like this could become pretty important for them, if not immediately in the very near future. But here's the big one. They got Enzo Capetti out of Racing Club in Argentina on a DP contract. Signed him through 2025 with an option for 2026. Racing is a huge club. This guy is good, um, and they they needed something lethal up front that they just were desperately lacking last year. Charlotte was a, a good team. All the pieces were good. They needed a little bit more, and I think that this is going to be their little bit more. Another piece they brought in is Ashley Westwood, midfielder out of Burnley. Um this guy's older, um, but once again, it's a second-year club. I think some experience, especially uh, you know, from a club that's just come out of the EPL, this is uh, a, you know, a, a welcome presence in the locker room, if nothing else. Key outs, um, really, it's Daniel Rios, who got sent over to Chivas for an undisclosed transfer fee. Um, seven goals, two assists in 27 games for Charlotte. But nobody was really a big heavy hitter for Charlotte. So this was one of their heavier hitters. And I think that the money coming in from Chivas will help quite a bit. And then obviously, like we spoke about, Anton Walks passed away tragically in that boating accident. So he is no longer with us. Um, key pieces for this team moving forward into the season. They still have Carol Swiderski. They've got 
Enzo Capetti they just picked up. And then when I was looking at it, I think that one of the other big pieces they've got is Ben Bender, among others. Ben Bender, Generation Adidas player, that kind of one of those Generation Adidas players that clicked on pretty quick. We'll see if he remains a big piece as this club gets more experienced and gets bigger pieces. But he was kind of an engine on that club, contributed to some pretty big goals. Also, he's young, made some mistakes, but that's the roughing out of an expansion club. Um, In 2022, they finished ninth in the East and did not make the playoffs. It's not a surprising result, although it's pretty high for a first-year club. I have got them in. I think that kind of like Austin, they uh, they're gonna they they're making the improvements that they needed to make after the season. They're going to improve. I don't think that they're going to rocket up the table like Austin did from first to second year. But I see them getting on the other side of the bubble this year. Chris, do you have them in or out of your playoff list? I think they'll be in. I've got them on a bubble team. There's a group of teams yeah. that are in there. Capetti really helps. Um, Diop will probably help. Latanzio did a good job coming in for the uh, uh, the fired Angel Ramirez uh, and really got them together. They were competitive to the end of the season, which is something we'd like to see out of City for us. They've improved, but other teams have improved as well. So we'll see how they uh, get on. Pretty good team. I think they'll be in the mix again all the way up, perhaps even to decision day. Yep. I I agree with you. They're a bubble team, but I think they're on the right side of the bubble. Yeah, but it, it, Capetti, it's how he melds in. He had a breakout season last year and had a lot of goals in, in Argentina. Uh, but he hadn't followed that up with a long history of it. So we'll see if this is a one-off or if he actually kicks on when he gets to MLS. So we'll find out. There's a lot of lot of finding out. A lot of fun. Well, that's what preseason's all about. Yeah, I've got Charlotte on the other side of the bubble, but I've got them in. And uh, we're not doing these in particular order of uh, St. Louis City opponents, but the next ones that we're going to look, take a look at is Tio Luis's uh, Chicago Fire. And uh, last season, the Fire finished 12th in the Eastern Conference on 39 points. Um, Ezra Hendrickson, their head coach, comes into his second season. And uh, despite that lowly finish, the Fire really haven't done much to add to the roster uh, this year. They uh, did allow last year's starting right back Boris Sekulik to become a free agent and brought in a 31-year-old bat- right back, uh, Arnaud Soquet, I believe it's pronounced, from Montpellier in Lyon on a free transfer to replace him. Also coming in is 23-year-old Marin Halle Selassie from sister club FC Lugano in Switzerland. He'll help bolster a wing core that already includes DP's Jordan Shakiri and Yaro Torres, as well as Chris Cashmuller. These names look good on paper, but as a unit, they do need to improve upon the production they provided last year. But the real story of the fire in 2023 is written about who has left. Goalkeeper Gaga Salina is off to Chelsea. He completed his loan back to Chicago after agreeing to a $15 million, up to a $15 million transfer last season 
uh, to the big uh, English Premier League club. Um, they also, to have replaced him, they might be leaning upon another homegrown teenage goalkeeping wonderkin, um, 19-year-old Chris Brady, who's been big with the U.S. youth national team. Uh, he actually looks like the leading candidate to man the goal for uh, the fire this season. The big story is also teenage forward Jean Duran. He's off to Aston Villa for up to $22 million, one of the biggest outgoing transfers in MLS history. Duran really kicked on in the second half last year. He was also the club's leading scorer. He had eight goals and three assists in just 1,363 minutes. Really took off in the second half. Uh, to replace him, the club still has Casper Zilko, Casper Zibilko, but his five goals last season was the worst of his MLS career. Easy for you to say, right? Uh, yeah. It's like an eye chart if you're reading it. Uh, you know, the MLS transfer window doesn't close until April 24th uh, to bring in new players. So keep an eye on Chicago using some of these riches, and they really made a lot of money in the last year in pure cash. Uh, look for them to use that on the expensive DP striker, though the transfer window in Europe is closed, so they're not going to get anybody big coming from Europe because they can't be replaced to bring them into the club that they leave in Europe. The synopsis here is that Coach Ezra Hendrickson is in his second season, and he needs to show improvement. The club needs to attract more fans. And more visibility in Chicago. They play in cavernous Soldier Field. And the way to reach these aims is to win, baby. Just win. But if you're going to bet in another inexperienced, though talented goalkeeper, does that jibe with the win-now feeling about the club? Shakiri and Torres really need to make things happen more than they did last year and provide more production. And they need a true goal-scoring forward. Shabilko's never really been that in MLS. Solid, but not spectacular. If they get these things to happen, this is a playoff team. But, you know, wishing for things to happen is a preseason folly. I just feel it's too much to ask. Uh, they're not making the playoffs again, I feel. No. No, I've got them out as well. Um, they're making improvements. Um, but we'll get, I, I've got a couple of teams that are just straight up rebuilding. Chicago is, I think a little too cowardly in their front office to admit that they just need to rebuild. And so they're trying to stay competitive when they haven't been competitive in years. They, they really kind of need a tear down and rebuild, but the these piecemeal things are not cutting it these are good pe these are good pieces they're bringing in individually but it, it doesn't really matter how much just talent you plug in it seems like chicago is kind of where talent goes to die right now yep i won't lie it does not do my st louis heart any pain to see chicago in such dire straits <laughs> no, right it now doesn't, doesn't. Um, no, it doesn't it, yeah it, i am enjoying I am not this wounded by this but <laughs> I it does suck to see a fan base dealing with a front office that is in denial about their chances. But that fan base being Chicago, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And plus, you know, they won MLS Cup in their first season. It's all been downhill after that. That was nineteen ninety seven, but for. yes, they yep. did. 
Atlanta can speak up. Uh, I'd like to hear from Atlanta fans about the same thing, and they did it in their second season, but uh, yeah. they're on that path. Yeah, as like well. the th- the thing is, the thing is, right, is that you never really want to see this kind of situation befall a club. But if it had to happen to anybody, mm-hmm. <laughs> you you got to keep, especially now that we're in the West and they're in the East, and that Chicago St. Louis rivalry is not really going to happen. We got to keep it up somehow. Yeah. We'll probably be on the schedule to play Chicago most every season. I haven't imagined that's the way MLS oh, likes I, to work. I'm yep. pretty sure. <laughs> uh, next on our list that uh, St. Louis City has to face is a team that has left the West because St. Louis went to the West. It's Nashville SC, and Chris Zimmerman's going to give us a rundown on them. Yeah, so we play Nashville away on June 17th. Um, I'm probably going to go to that game because that's the weekend my birthday is. And I went to Nashville to see them play Austin this past season. And it was a whole lot of fun. Had a real good time meeting the Nashville fans there. So I imagine I'm going to be making the trip down to see this game. So Nashville is a team that is pretty well defined by their most valuable player, who is also the league's most valuable player, the German Sudanese attacking midfielder. Hani Mukhtar, who won last year's MVP award with 26 goals. They also have two defenders who have featured for the U.S. national team. Walker Zimmerman, who I admit I was a bit critical of this past World Cup cycle, but he is very good in the MLS. We have Shaq Moore, and then a, another very good defender in Jack Maurer. And they also have Costa Rican left winger Randall Leal. So they have a very solid lineup built right now. They focus on being solid in the back. They're pretty good in the counterattack and they are dangerous on set pieces, especially when you have Walker Zimmerman as a target man on corners. As far as offseason moves, there haven't really been a whole lot. They imported a pair of left wingers, uh, Jacob Schaffelberg from Toronto and Fafa Picol from Houston. And the only loss they have was Dave Romy, who was a center back who went to New England. But with Zimmerman and Maurer, you know, you're, freeing up cap space for a position that you already have players in. So I don't think that's a negative at all. And this will be their fourth season. It looks like the team has decided that we have a really good base. We have a good core. We just need to grow it. Don't fix what isn't broken. Stick with it. And I think it's going to work. I think that they're going to continue to gel even further. They finished fifth in the East and the West last year and made the playoffs. And I think they're going to make the playoffs again now that they're in the East. Yeah, I, th- I got him in. Yeah, Nashville, they made the playoffs in the East. They slid over to the West. They made the playoffs in the West. They're going to slide right back over to the East just fine, I think. Nashville is a perennial contender. And unlike last year, where we talked about perennial contenders like the Sounders, who collapsed <laughs> largely because they won the CONCACAF Champions League. But um, Nashville is a genuine perennial contender they are just a solid team especially this group they've got right here just a solid team that is going to compete something that is worth mentioning though is that he said Hani Mukhtar scored 26 goals last season Nashville's total goals last season was 52 which means you have a single player scoring literally half of your team's goals so you know yeah, it's it's the honey mukhtar show yeah but, but you know who god doesn't forbid love a little honey mukhtar <laughs> god forbid something happens to honey yeah they're in trouble oh yeah. they are in trouble so yeah. you know, that's that's a big that's a big caveat is that if honey mukhtar gets injured the the the, the, the nashville goes bye-bye <laughs> yeah 
The funny thing is, uh, due to geography, uh, down here in southern Illinois, where Mason and myself are, Nashville is not that much further away from us than St. Louis. Definitely a day trip, a day trip. to go to a game. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and there is St. Louis ties on this team. Uh, Maurer, the center back, and uh, Joe Willis, the uh, goalkeeper, are have definite St. Louis ties. Maurer, we're expecting to really become a big starter for them this year. Has it been a backup and a solid one in the past? Look to have him have a breakout season for them. And a lot to like about Nashville. Uh, again, MLS hitting home runs by going to secondary markets in America. Yeah, Maurer is 23 and is from Caseyville, Illinois. Yep. Which leads me to think the thought I always have with people roughly my age from St. Louis. I think I might have played against this kid growing up. <laughs> yeah, probably. I <laughs> might have. I don't know. Next up on our list is, uh, well, an exciting team to look forward to, uh, FC Cincinnati. Mason, you got the lowdown for them for us. What do you got? I've got FC Cincinnati. Uh, Previously, formerly, everyone's favorite punching bag, but uh, they're punching back. Um, Head coach Pat Noonan took them into the playoffs last year, which was very exciting. And uh, quite frankly, you'd love to see it. We've ragged on Cincy a lot, but it's a fan base that's deserved it for a long time. They got success last year, and they've uh, they've got some pieces moving here a little bit. They brought in the. I think this is the big one. Marco Angulo is a U twenty two pickup from Ecuadorian side Independiente de Valle. Um, he's signed through 2025 with an option for 2026, a $3 million transfer fee. They bet big on this kid. It's a box to box midfielder, but also from what I read, very versatile can play on either wing also play wing back. Um, this is, I think if he turns on for Cincy going to be a key piece of the way that they're engine runs there um this is a big look at what Cincy's future or what their what Cincy is planning for their future which is contention uh also brought in steven jimenez a 15 year old midfielder that they grabbed the home run gr- homegrown rights for fifty thousand dollars in guaranteed gam to dc united to get him with a possible $500,000 conditional. Um, that's, a, <laughs> that's a lot of conditional money. So somebody somewhere thinks that this kid is worth something. Um, and then I've got him here because of what they turned down for him. They've got Brandon Vasquez. Um, they kept, they, they, they denied the Chivas deal. Chivas wanted Brandon Vasquez after the 2022 season since he said no, and I think that they were right to. Um, but it's Brandon Vasquez. We're familiar with Brandon Vasquez. Outs. Um, Calvin Harris went to Colorado for $200,000 in GAM with an additional uh, 175000 uh, conditional. And then Matt Miazga-ish. Matt Miazga is Ish? injured. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's injured. 
but he he's missed out on preseason so far. He might miss the first it, like part of the season. Um, they tried to get Matt Miazga pretty hard. He's he's very useful to their team, but he, he he's expected to be back some point in the season. So got Cincy. They largely kept the same crew. Um, we're looking at Luca Acosta, GP, high energy midfielder, one of the engines of their big attack that they had in Cincy. Alec Khan, <laughs> on the flip side of that high energy attack, the poorest defense. Alec Khan is what kept them in those games when he faced shot after shot after shot. Um, Junior Moreno in the midfielder, Brandon Vasquez. And Marco Angulo that they just brought in. I don't know. Since he finished fifth in the East, they lost in the second round to Philly. Um, which is, you know, a decent badge of honor considering that Philly went on to nearly win the cup before losing it in heartbreaking fashion. Since he's in, since he is in, since he is on a big rise, and I'm quite happy to see it, quite frankly. They've got a lot of good players, a lot of exciting talent there. Um, their defense still poses an issue, but there's a lot of attack on that team. <laughs> uh, I've got them in. I've got them in with a bullet, and mainly because uh, their high price uh, incoming transfer, U22 Brenner, they did shop him. They took offers, but they spent a lot to get him. They didn't get the, the amount of money they wanted. It's up to... Uh, the staff there to keep him interested in coming to Cincinnati. Word is that he isn't really blaming them because the offers didn't come in. Um, he had a breakout season last year, combined very well with uh, Lucho and uh, Vasquez to make a very dynamic force. Uh, and I think they're doing quite well. And to correct you, Mason, it was Celatano who stopped all those shots, the super draft pick last season, the rookie, because oh. Khan got hurt. It was uh, Salatana. Right. So they've got a young goalkeeper with uh, hot shot uh, prospects on their squad. I think FC Cincinnati is going to be a strong squad this year. Just in case anybody forgot that I'm stupid and you shouldn't listen to me. <laughs> That's not what you say on a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Cincinnati's in for sure. Another team, and uh, I get this one. They're interesting. Uh, Inter Miami. Uh, we'll talk about them a little bit because last year was a big breakout season for Inter Miami. They did manage to make the MLF Cup playoffs with a roster that was just cobbled together from the rubble of their failed initial roster build. But now striker Gonzalo Higuain is retired after a Short last rush of glory in the second half of the season. Also gone is summer acquisition Alejandro Pozuelo, the former MLS MVP, whose ability to manage the attack seemed to be the tonic for Higuain's previous disinterest in Miami. Uh, their very effective sub, Indiana Vasilev, is now with the good guys. With us here in St. Louis City, and Damian Lowe no longer will be in the defense for him, who had a pretty strong season last year. However, they got Joseph Martinez. He's come in from Atlanta Martinez. Uh, Atlanta Martinez. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> Atlanta Martinez. It up. Honestly, Atlanta. that's about right. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> he's come in from Atlanta United, and he's not a DP. This was a complicated deal that can only happen in MLS. You're going to have to read about it. We can't talk about it. It'd take a whole show. Well, we actually, we did talk about it, and it, Slightly, did, it didn't make much sense to us either. <laughs> no, and there was more to it than we even talked about. They also have newcomer Leo Campagna. You know, the guy that played with him last year. He returns as uh, GM Chris Henderson was able to secure a permanent transfer from Wolverhampton of the English Premier League after Campania's very successful loan last season. They brought in Ukrainian international Sergei Kristov. Uh, I'll guess that. He replaces uh, Damian Lowe at center back, uh, in the back and... Uh, Disappointing DP Rodolfo Pizarro returns from his year-long loan to Monterrey in Liga MX. He now fits into the club's plans in hopes that his production improves from the rather paltry seven goals and 12 assists he provided in the first two-year stint with the Herons. He was their first signing. Also joining his homegrown uh, midfielder Benjamin Kremashi, uh, the word on the street is, you keep your eye on this kid, word on the street is this teenager is on a fast path to stardom as a flexible, positionally flexible number eight. That's Benjamin Kramashi. Keep that name in mind. Can Miami build on the successes of last season? Who knows? <laughs> it's preseason. A lot hinges on uh, Martinez continuing to score goals despite being obviously slowed by surgery and the, all the lingering complications that uh, developed from the knee injury he suffered in the first match of the year 2020. Campania did prove last season in a short stint that he could work with another striker on the pitch with Higuain, um, but he needs to continue that partnership with Martinez to keep the goals flowing for Miami. And Pizarro, he's the key. He needs to run the attack like they brought him in to do. Now, a lot of holes have been filled around the club, and the club feels very promising. They feel they're really improved. And I kind of believe so, too. And I have them to peg. I got them pegged to complete solidly for a playoff spot. I can't say they're in or they're out. They're in about a four-team bubble that any one of the three have a very real shot of making a playoff spot. What do you guys think? Yeah, I have them roughly the same. You know, with Joseph Martinez... I would assume that they're on the good side of the bubble, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if they don't make it. I've got them bubble out. Um, Joseph Martinez, I think, is going to, you know, do Joseph Martinez for them. Really kind of whether which whether I'm right or you guys are right kind of depends on which kind of Joseph Martinez he does for them. But I kind of think that losing Pizuelo and Higuain which, you know, could that chemistry last forever? I don't know. But that like that second season connection between the two of them was one of the most electrifying forward pairings um, in MLS and combined to really rocket that team up the standings. And I I don't think they've got a lot else going on. Um, even even primo Joseph Martinez is not going to be that exciting, if nothing else. One thing they've lost is uh, their uh, their color commentator, Ray Hudson, has not been announced as one of the signings for Apple TV. And uh, I know Mason <laughs> no, and I are, uh, are not happy about that, though. He's not everyone's cup of tea uh, on that. But uh, I the Harry Carey of my soccer. <laughs> but after starting off being the boringest team in MLS, just terrible, 
didn't no one on the field seem like they wanted to play head coach Gary Neville really got the team to play exciting soccer especially in the second half they were fun to watch and um, if nothing else they can fire up the fan base because this is going to be a team that's fun to watch either for what they do well or some of the mistakes they make but uh, I think uh, we're going to have fun with inner Miami this season Moving on to another one with uh, high hopes for the season. It's Toronto FC. Wow, St. Louis City's got some fine opponents this season. And uh, Mason will give us a rundown on them. Yeah, so Toronto FC, there is a lot going on across the border, A. Um, Head coach Bob Bradley has a big project going on because he is Bob Bradley. That's just kind of the way he does things. Um, everyone wants to talk about it. Everyone's on the edge of this edge of their seats about it because it's Toronto. Toronto's got Sean Johnson um, picked up in free agency after leaving from NYCFC. He is signed through 2024 on a TAM deal. And Sean Johnson is the best goalkeeper in MLS and I don't think that's a very controversial statement. It is to me, but um, uh, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely up there. He's in the conversation. This is a huge pickup for Toronto. Um, and I, and you know, I'm not doing NYCFC, but I think a massive hit to NYCFC as well to lose Sean Johnson. Um, but also going on at Toronto, they picked up Matt Hedges. Signed him in free agency after his contract option was declined at FC Dallas. Big. He is signed through 2024 with two option years. He's also on a TAM deal. Um, and by the, I don't necessarily mean like a max TAM deal. They're just like when I looked it up, they, he was paid in TAM. Same with Sean Johnson. I don't know because MLS hates to tell you the details of <laughs> signing contracts. So but uh, all I got was that they were paid in TAM. Um also, Victor Vasquez, a one-year deal with an option for 2024, brings him back to Toronto after uh, having been declined at the Galaxy and going through re-entry. Toronto picks him up. He returns to the Great White North. Um, outs for Toronto. We got a lot. <laughs> um, ten players are gone from Toronto, at least at the time that I wrote this. It might even be more now. Who knows? They're doing a lot of housekeeping there. Um, eight players were just released outright. Um, Alex Bono, Quentin Westberg, Aro Junio, Domenico Cristico, Daniil Henry, Chris Mavinga, Nobo Okello, Ufuna Yachi, Achara. Gone. Just outrighted. Um, Luco Petrasso was shipped to Orlando for 300000 in, in GAM plus conditionals. And Jacob Schaffelberg went to NY, or excuse me, to Nashville SC, like Chris mentioned early, mentioned earlier, for three hundred thousand in GAM plus conditionals. It's a lot of space that Toronto's opened up. Players, key pieces for Toronto. It's a lot because there's a lot of talent at Toronto. Uh, Michael Bradley, well, nepotism. His dad is the boss. Uh, Michael Bradley's also <laughs> a good player. 
he's getting a little old, but he's a good player. Um, Lorenzo Insigne. It's the Lorenzo Insigne. <laughs> it's the same things that we said about him coming to MLS last year when he made the deal. He, yeah, it's it's Lorenzo Insigne. Um, in the same vein, uh, Bernadeschi. Still there. Still on a DP deal. Still Bernadeschi. What do you want us to say about it again? Uh, Sean Johnson. I kind of said my piece about Sean Johnson, but I think that is a big pickup for them to get him. Uh, Mark Anthony K is still there, and I think that he is a big player. Uh, Richie Larea is still there. Notable, notable piece. And Victor Vasquez. In 2022, they were 13th in the Eastern Conference and did not meet, reach the playoffs. Toronto was really bad last year. I have got them out. I know this is a contrarian opinion, but I think that they are going to improve dramatically this year, but I think that Bob Bradley's project is still ongoing, and I think that it's it's not it's not baked enough to get them over the line. All of the pieces are starting to line up, but this is a project that's still ongoing, and I I see them improving a lot. I see them almost a bubble team even, but I don't see them in the playoffs. Yeah, no, I agree. It's it's a good project. I think they're making some good moves, but I don't think they're going to have enough time to gel, at least early on in the season. So I have them out as well. There is a huge list of talent on this team. Federico Bernardeschi, uh, Lorenzo Insigne, Matt Hedges, uh, Jesus Jimenez, Sean Johnson, Mike Anthony K, Richie Larea. I mean, there's a list. Jonathan Osorio. You can go down. They've got a ton of homegrowns because they've got a very good academy working in Toronto, a little under the radar for a lot of people. Mostly they bring them in-house and don't ship them off. Um, but that being said, there is a lot of changes that have been happening since broad, uh, since June of last year. It's a lot to fit together. I've got them as a bubble team, but if it does gel, this team could be a monster. Another thing to note is dumping 10 players freed up a lot of cap space. They got $600,000 in GAM back for the two players they were able to trade that they didn't outright. And kind of like uh mike i believe you mentioned earlier the mls trade window is open until april they've got a lot of cap space they've got a lot of spots open to make moves i'm not uh, i'm not a toronto fc fan i don't know what they need what they want i don't follow them closely enough to speculate on what they what they need or what they're going to angle for but they can make moves still and they do have an open dp spot seems to be a need to be a young designated player as they don't have a young designated player in the U-22s. Uh, but they do have an open spot to bring somebody else in. Uh, there's a lot of talent here. It's a matter of can they be coached up fast enough uh, to get them in a position to where they're not fighting at the last second for a playoff spot. And I, they got the talent to do it. Is that enough without having the team gel? That's the question. Now, I've got them. I've got them as a solid bubble team 
but I don't have them in the playoffs. Our next one we're going to talk about that uh, St. Louis City SC plays out of the East is going to be the Columbus Crew. We've got a little burr up our butts in St. Louis about the crew right now, thanks to MLS Next Pro getting beat in the championship game (laughs) by a very, very talented Crew 2 team, to be quite honest. Anyway, we're going to move on and talk about the Columbus Crew. Uh, Some notable additions. Well, we could talk about players, but let's talk about the big one. New head coach Wilfred Nancy in a trade from CF Montreal is coming over to work with a team with talent, real talent. He coached up some talent in Montreal and got him to a very high finish last season. Now he's got talent on his squad. Uh, They did lose the likes of Artur, Derek Etienne Jr., Eric Hurtado, Pedro Santos. Those are gone. And if you remember back to 2020, uh, when they won the MLS Cup, a lot of these players had their names in that. But, uh, you know, after another season missing out on the MLS playoffs, head coach Caleb Porter, well, he was fired. <laughs> you got this talent, you get you can't win, you're gone. With a talented roster and Tim Bezbachinko, who is a proven winner in the front office, the crew wanted to get a difference-making coach, and they found one in Nancy. Uh, Nancy, in the trade, the terms were not disclosed, but he brought along three staff members with him, most of them with having to do with the video or analysis and uh, physical fitness, but he brought along some staff with him. Now, Nancy proved he can work a team into being highly competitive in the last couple of seasons with Montreal, really transforming a couple of players into real good MLS players. And now he gets to work with a roster full of talent and some that are very proven as MLS talents. Uh, the losses are big, but they did bring in G- Jimmy Madrana for as a free agent from Seattle to help with the defense. And Christian Ramirez returns from Aberdeen in Scotland to help with the goals. You might remember him from his days in Minnesota United and LAFC. The of course, the superlative Lucas Zelleron is still there. Uh, Cucho Hernandez, who broke out when he came over, is still there. And Darlington Nagby, he still marshals the midfield. They also have youth working their way in with the homegrowns Aiden Mortis. Look for him to have, be a starter this year and really show what he can do. Jalen Russell Rowe is probably going to stick with him. He tore up MLS Next Pro last year as a forward, and Will Sands is there, and they've got a new one, uh, Keegan Hughes, a homegrown. He's back from four years as a captain with Stanford. And St. Louis and Patrick Schulte backs up excellent starter Eloy Groom, at goalkeeper. Now, the last two seasons under Porter were disappointing, especially given how many times the crew bunkered with a lead in the late minutes and turned three points into one. And sometimes even none. Uh, The last uh, total I had was they lost 24 points uh, from a winning position last season, often very late in the game. Uh, They finished ninth in the Eastern Conference last season. They very easily could have been pretty solidly in the playoffs if they closed out games they were winning. Uh, 
Nancy has proven he can get a team to play together in MLS. All he needs to do with this roster, and all he needs to do with the talent on this roster, is get them to play to a, you know, with a snappier attack, not so slow as they did, that seemed to not work with the talent they had, and get them to play a full 90 minutes to and get a killer instinct, and the crew easily make the playoffs. I believe there is enough talent here for them to possibly make it out of the Eastern Conference and play for an MLS Cup. Tall order, given some of the competition, but I'm big on the crew having a big season this year. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. In. I don't. Uh, <laughs> oh. um, I've got the crew um, improving, but I've got them bubble out. I, I see them around the same place as Toronto on my list, quite frankly. Um, there's a lot of talent there, but um, I don't know. Uh, you know, Wilford Dancy, this is kind of his knack, but Caleb Porter, I think, was a big kind of like small C conservative kind of coach. And I wonder what kind of um, like thinking that he's instilled in those longtime players that is going to kind of and he also was like a big like you know back and forth like uh you know the caleb porter wave kind of guy uh not even kind of guy he was the guy um these players have been tossed around a lot um you know for as long as they've been around i don't know how how gelled they are honestly um wilford nancy's got a tall task ahead of him bold bold I do think Caleb Porter is a holdover from MLS 2.0, and you could say MLS 3.0 started at the beginning of last season, especially in the summer transfer window with the amount of attacking talent coming in. Uh, Nancy worked his way with a much lesser squad last year to put CF Montreal to a home playoff game. He's got so much more to work with here. I'm thinking big things for the crew. Big things this season. They're going to be a tough, tough opponent. But moving on, there's another team with a lot of movement and some excitement around them. It's Orlando City. And Mason's going to give us a rundown on them. Yeah, Orlando City, the Lions. Um, the uh, <laughs> Your U.S. Open Cup champions. Um, head coach Oscar Pereja is still there. And they have got, uh, well, they've got movement happening. A lot of outs. Um, ins, we've got Shakur Muhammad, who, if you remember back to when we were talking about the expansion draft, I kind of, or, well, actually, you probably don't, because I was saying this privately. <laughs> Love to do this. <laughs> Little bits that the listeners don't get to know. Um, Shakur Muhammad was a, a player that I had my eye on, um, when we were looking at the expansion draft before we, you know, traded away all our picks. Um, <laughs> he was acquired second overall in the MLS super draft. One of the most highly rated forwards in that pool. Um, generation Adidas forward out of a uh, player out of Duke. Um, I thought this was going to be, you know, this was like, like coin flip. Our guy, um, didn't work out that way. And honestly, I don't even know how much Orlando has a use for him right now, but I thought it worth mentioning because, it, you know, even if just sentimental value, 
I was I was highly rated on this guy. Um, here's a big guy though, uh, Martin Ojeda, Ojeda, uh, from Argentina side Godoy Cruz on a DP contract through 2025 with options for 2026 and 2027. This is a pretty big pickup, especially for a team that has lost a lot. Um, there's also Dagor Don Thorhalsen. Dagor Don! Uh, greatest name yeah. in MLS right now. Dagor Don Dagger Don. <laughs> uh, from Icelandic side, uh, Brejabik. Uh, 22-year-old Icelandic midfielder. Four caps for the Icelandic national team. Box-to-box midfielder. Young guy. Uh, has caps, even if it's only for Iceland. Um and that will become relevant as we get into some of the outs for Orlando. Um, Andres Perea traded to the Philly Union for $750,000 in GAM with up to 100000 in incentives and a sell-on fee. Junior Urso mutually parted ways with the club due to personal reasons. I think he just kind of wanted to go home. Um, Junior Urso has been really important to that club. Joao Moutinho left for Spezia in Serie A during free agency. He was a number one pick in the 2018 Super Draft. He played with Orlando for the last few years. It's very important there. Benji Michel goes to FC Aruja in Portugal during free agency. Was a very important part of them winning the U.S. Open Cup. And Ruan, he was shifted to D.C. United in order to get them Shakur Mohamed. So, you know. I don't, Ruan was also important, but like that was more like a part of that trade kind of deal. There's a lot of stuff that just been moving out of Orlando. Um, who are we looking at that's left? Martino Heda, midfielder on a DP contract. Facundo Torres. Facundo Torres. What do you want me to say? Midfielder on a DP contract. Urshan Kara, forward on a DP contract. There's still big pieces there. In 2022, Orlando was 7th in the Eastern Conference, and they lost in the first round to CF Montreal. I have Orlando as a uh, a bubble team. I've got them bubble in. Um, losing Junior Urso, Jao Moutinho, uh, those are big losses. They're, they also brought in some really big, big gets i just don't know what they're gonna do um how it's gonna work at they're really they're not even a bubble team for me they're either comfortably in or comfortably out it just kind of depends on how those players work out i've got them in uh but at the bottom end of the system one thing uh will tell you is been mooted is they're putting a lot of faith in uh, fullback Michael Holiday, a 20-year-old. They did. They got rid of Ruan without any backup. Didn't sign backup for him. Looks like he's going to get the job. Kyle Smith is a long-time, you know, career backup. Maybe in CCL, Kyle Smith gets that uh, role internationally. But I think Holiday's a big one to keep in mind on. He's only 20 years old. See what he can do with the right back position if he kicks on. Um, most of these people they brought in 
were upgrades of the people they let go who were kind of disappointing. People like Perea going to the Philadelphia. I think he fits Philadelphia's system better than he fits uh, Orlando's. That's a good trade. But i kind of high on Orlando City. I like the movement they made. Will it gel this year? I don't know. Keep an eye on them. Yeah, I've got them out. I, I think Orlando's a bellwether team, honestly. Um, not necessarily a bell, bellwether team for any anything other than like, what do you think of kind of like these these mid table teams? Because they are like the epitome of the like you know which <laughs> like I hate to say it, but which way Western man kind of <laughs> thinking of of these bubble teams? <laughs> they have a long history of winning the off season and not performing on the field. Uh, let's see what Perea can do. He did a pretty good job last year. Let's see if he can improve upon it. Moving on to uh, some other teams in the East. Let's start with a team that was quite high in the East last season. Though they've lost their coach, <laughs> lost a lot of other things. It's CF Montreal, and Chris is going to give us a rundown on them. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, fans of the podcast, I welcome you to the most sportscaster thing I am ever going to say on this show, which is that right now Montreal is a team in search of identity in more ways than one. I I hate myself for saying that. I'll see myself out. <laughs> but it is true. Seneca Football Club. <laughs> but it's apt. Yeah. It's apt. You know, they've redone their branding again. So now they're, what even are they anymore? Okay. Uh, they are still CF Montreal, but they've changed the logo. CF Montreal Impact. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Um, It'll always be Club de Foot to me. Yes. And they <laughs> made an announcement yesterday that MLS teams, every jersey is on a two-year cycle. So you get one new jersey a year. You get a new home jersey at last two years. You get a new away jersey at last two years. Yet... Montreal was slated for a new home kit this season. They announced yesterday they will not have one, at least for the time being, and they will only be playing with their secondary jersey, which is this gray marble design. Hey, everybody loves it, right? (laughs) Yeah. Oh, it looks so good. So good. Uh, Memorable. I love it when soccer teams play in pajamas. Yeah. As you can attest from me watching all of St. Louis City 2. (laughs) The reasoning they gave in their tweet, and I'm going to quote directly more or less here. The organization decided to add on the 2023 primary jersey an inscription in an indigenous language. And they followed that up with, the club is committed to developing lasting and sincere relationships with indigenous communities. As the consultation process with indigenous communities is still ongoing, we have decided to pause distribution of the 2023 primary jersey to strengthen our approach by listening, collaborating, and co-creating concrete initiatives with indigenous communities. Translating corporate speak to regular person speak, what I believe happened here is that they said, hey, we're going to earn brownie points by including indigenous communities, and then did not talk to them until it was (laughs) far too late, and something was probably wrong with what they put on there. Um, Either maybe it was misspelled, it the you know the translation was off maybe it was just the equivalent of getting a chinese character tattoo that you say it means perseverance but really it means fried chicken <laughs> i don't know um something else the fact that they just threw out there 
an indigenous language without specifying which one. Yeah, which which also one? Leads me to they question. have names. There's Apaches. a lot of them, and um, if you take a look, it appears that historically Montreal is on traditionally Haudenosaunee, otherwise known as Iroquois land. However, one of the more dominant indigenous groups in Canada is the Cree. So maybe they just used a language from a native culture that never even existed in Montreal. I would not put that past them either. There's a million ways this could have gone wrong. If it wasn't, I I want to forward like the, the most dark timeline of this, which is that the language that they wanted to use was French, and there was a debate about if it should be Parisian French or Quebecois French. Oh, that would be even worse. Um, be- <sighs> I like I I that's like quite frankly like you know I, not to sound libelous. This is not actionable. I have no proof of this. Um, please do not sue me, CF Montreal. That was just a joke. But, like, it's the kind of thing that a sports team would do. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the Atlanta Braves being like, oh, yeah, we have permission from the from the Cherokee tribe to do this. And then, you know, Ryan Helsley walking in there and being like, look, I'm native and I hate that they do it, quite frankly. And I, I wish they wouldn't do it in front of me. And so then the next time the Cardinals come to town and Ryan Helsley takes the field, they all do it even more, mm-hmm. which is a normal I- thing to do, I think. Let me let me clarify. I think that this, had it been done right, is an admirable thing to do. I love to see it, but it it's looks decent, like at least they but they dropped the ball big time <laughs> at all. Um, just like they've done it every other step of this rebranding, trying to find their new identity phase. Ah, uh, they f-ed it up. <laughs> Look, the fr- the French Wait. Canadians can lo- can tend to declare as much as they like that they are different from the rest of Canada, but it turns out that they are just as inept at handling indigenous issues as the rest of the country is. And with the added benefit of being French, sacré <laughs> <laughs> But like, and like, quite frankly, that's not to to excuse the U.S. from our crimes. It's just that, like, you know, in at least in Can- you know, at least here, uh. It's all pretty yeah. out in the open. In Canada, they're still digging them up. And uh, what yeah. do these two countries have in common? They come from Great Britain. Uh, white but, settler yeah, colonialism. <laughs> uh, yeah, but carry on. Anyway, so, so the on-field stuff, uh, they have lost their coach, Wilfred Nancy, and three major transfers out. Uh, someone who was in the MVP Conversation attacking midfielder Jordi Mihalovic has gone to AZ, AZ Alkmaar in the Netherlands. Center midfielder Ishmael Cohn has gone to Watford in England. And Alistair Johnson, the right back, has gone to Celtic. Now, between those three transfers, they netted $17.5 million in transfer fees, which in the MLS is the equivalent to Scrooge McDuck's giant pile of gold coins. They have a lot of money, and they use that to get uh, center back George Campbell from Atlanta and right back Aaron Herrera from Salt Lake City. Not well. There's your million dollar in gam for each transfer. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. They they got they got Jack. (laughs) Yeah, not a huge haul back. So you know, look around the summer transfer window for them to hopefully use that giant 
stack of money that they have now to get something good. Otherwise, I think they're going to be in trouble. Uh, they're a very athletic team that attacks down the middle. And so they have Kenyan defensive midfielder Victor Wyanma, who for a while was rumored to maybe coming to St. Louis. I think it's obvious that has not materialized. We have Kamal Miller, the Canadian center back, and Ramel Quito from Honduras, who is a forward. Maybe they'll use their money to make a pretty good splash in the summer transfer window. I mean, they finished second in the East last year. It's hard to imagine them falling from grace, but if they don't put that money to good use, I think that they're going to be out of the playoffs. Oh, I think they're out of the playoffs and they're going to bottom out. Sure seems like a full-on rebuilding right now for them. And I mean, you know, if you've yeah. got $17.5 million to rebuild with, let me play a sad song for you on a tiny violin. But this might be a rough season for them. Yeah, I've, I've also got CFM out. Add to this that uh, the striker, and who's only like seven goals away from breaking Landon Donovan's MLS record for goals in a career. Donovan? Kai Kamara uh, said he's 100% with CF Montreal but actively looking elsewhere because he didn't get the money that he wanted to move his team, move his family up to Montreal to be with him. I like Kai Kamara. He speaks his mind, and sometimes he says very nice things, and sometimes he stays, says things that people don't think are very nice. But uh, yeah, that's he's the 100% there, but looking <laughs> elsewhere. Yep. Yeah. Uh, uh, if somebody tells you that, Break off the in marriage engagement, folks. <laughs> <laughs> Look, there, there's one positive thing that I can say about CF Montreal, and it's that I'm also a Celtic fan, and I think that Celtic will do quite nicely with Alistair Johnson. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So thank uh, you. <laughs> they had a moment of glory, and they made a run, and it was a great year. Great year, actually. Uh, Wilford Nancy, if you remember, if you recall, he took them when Terry Henry ran away <laughs> right before the season started, had a pretty good first year, had a really good second year, and now he works with a lot of talent in Columbus. Um, be interested to keep an eye on each of those teams and how they make out. Uh, I, personally, am lucky enough to come up with the next team on our list, which happens to be the Philadelphia Union. Can't rag uh, on you too much because not to spoil too much, but uh, yeah, you got the, you got the good team on this round. <laughs> the boys in blue, as we learned the hard way reading the updates on that preseason game. <laughs> yeah, go birds. The Union were perhaps as little as one touch away, one touch from winning MLS Cup last season. Uh, Gareth Bale's clutch header uh, is what sent it to penalty kicks, where LAFC really. Just dominated the union in that. Um, and there's been a little movement, but not much in the squad since then. Why? Uh, one thing I want to say here is you'll hear a lot of folks compare St. Louis City to the New York Red Bulls due to their style of play and their ethos at the star. The, the system is the star of the team. But I'm going to make an argument here that... Uh, Look at the Philadelphia Union as a more apt comparison. Their GM is an adventurous soul, a German who worked at Hoffenheim. That sounds familiar. Uh, 
the Union also play a pressing style, not quite like the Red Bulls or City's going to do, but it's also based around causing chaos and jumping on any opportunity that that resulting chaos provides. Their roster is built around players they developed and themselves and finding overlooked gems. Just look at Kai Wagner, who came over from the third level of the pyramid in Germany. The Union were one of the first clubs to jump feet first into youth development, understanding the best way around MLS's restrictive roster rules was to develop their own players and perhaps sell them to larger clubs and then replace them with another one of your kids. You build your club through building through what you develop. And that is very much been first thought. Um with St. Louis City SC and is becoming much more fashionable throughout MLS. Uh, while City joined the league already with a year into the process, Philadelphia shows what that level of success of sticking to the process can bring because developing your own players and doing this takes time, of course. Yeah, if you take a look at their current roster, they have seven homegrown players on their first team roster right now. And... Yeah. You know, Lutz got a lot of pushback for his we don't have a designated player, we have a designated team comment. That's going to be the meme across other teams' fan bases this year. But you know what team has not used all of their DP slots? Philadelphia. They only have three. And they were one Gareth Bale header away from winning the MLS Cup. And there's no big names here. They bring in names, you know, like Michael Yuri, who was very good. That's a or Ali Bedoya, who was centerpiece to the rebuilding process and the rejuvenation of Philadelphia. He's a DP, and perhaps the most underrated DP in the history of MLS, in my opinion. Um, he's no longer a designated player, and mm. they lost some homegrowns. Paxson Aronson has left. You know, not a surprise. Uh, he's gone to Eintracht Frankfurt for a reported $4 million fee. And uh, sources uh, giving the idea of what was undisclosed said a big sell-on fee came with that. One thing they're going to miss is Corey Burke left as a free agent. Uh, a physical presence, a forward that they used to great effectiveness, especially at the end of matches. Uh Talked about Ali Badoya. He is aging, but was quite good for them last season, though him having a hip injury that kept him out of the MLS Cup finals may have been a difference maker. But his understudy, uh, young Jack McGlynn, who did get the start in the final, he does have a special talent for opening up the field when he has the ball. See if he gets more time. Uh, He has things to work on, but he has a bright future. He really... When he started getting playing time, when he came on the field, they really went into overdrive with their offense. And recall last year, Philadelphia was on a path path at one point that they were on a way to being the best defensive club in MLS history and having one of the greatest plus minus, you know, uh, goal differentials in the history of the league. They were so good on both sides of the ball. One of the part of that was Daniel Gazdok, uh, who played so well last year. Now he's officially a DP, even though he's played, been playing like one for a long time. 
and talked about Michael Murray. He started slow, was injured at the start of the season, didn't really look like he got fully fit, but man, in the second half, he was so dangerous on the break, especially. He's fast and quicker than I think people expected. Um, Kai Wagner is back because he didn't get the offers from overseas that everyone expected him to do, and reportedly he's Back, fully bought in, not feeling grudges about the circumstances because the team did try to move him. You've also got Leon Flack, last year's Defender of the Year, Jacob Glesnes, last year's possibly Defender of the Year, except he lost the vote, and Jack Elliott. Uh, You get the point. There's a lot going on here. And to what Mason said about the best uh, goalkeeper in the league, no, he's in Philly. He's uh, Andre Blake. Uh, probably the best goalkeeper in CONCACAF. So, yeah. Am I high on him? Yeah, there's a lot to like in the union right now. And I really like to compare what City is building to what Philadelphia has built. And what's my forecast for the union in 2023? Simple. The only thing that's stopping them from winning MLS Cup is a very, very, very long run in the CONCACAF Champions League. And maybe that won't even stop them. And what do you guys think? Uh, yeah, they're favorites for the cup for sure. Uh, that's all That's all I got to say. You know, yeah. once you get to the single elimination tournament, that's the playoffs. Anything can happen. But I don't think they can have any issues making the playoffs. And they absolutely have the skill to win it all. Yeah, Philly's in with a bullet. Um, I think that the thing is, is that um, it's Philly. And so the Philly collapse can happen at any time, like we saw when, you know, you you take a slip on the turf in the the penalty shootout of the MLS Cup finals. Um, I, I yeah, I, I don't know. I've talked a lot about it. I feel a deep spiritual connection to the city of Philadelphia and how just absolutely rowdy and no nonsense they are. I really like the Philadelphia Union, and they're a good team. They, they've they got a shot to go all the way again, just like they did last year. Um, Yeah, I can make as many jokes as I like, but that's basically the, the nuts and bolts of it is this is just a really good team. And one thing that's making their path to the title, or at least MLS Cup Finals, easier is the fact that one of their toughest competitions, NYCFC, may not be what they were last year. And to give us a rundown as to why, I'll let Chris tell you about it. Yep, you mentioned it earlier, but they no longer have Sean Johnson at goalie. He left for Toronto. They did bring in Philadelphia's backup, Matt Freeze, to fill the slot. You're trading down there. There's no way way about it. It's it's Sean Johnson. <laughs> Yeah. Look, I might agree with Mike that maybe yeah, maybe Son Johnson's not the best goalie, but like come on. <laughs> yeah. Uh, they've also brought in Slovenian Mitya Elinic, who is a right back who played for NK Damzal in Slovenia. You get a big international signing like that, expected to make splash, but also I'll admit I haven't read up on him too much. This might just be a pretty average transfer. Uh, they've also lost the center forward Heber from Brazil, who has moved on to Seattle. Uh, they still have um, Tales Mago, the left winger from Brazil. 
Thiago Andrade, another Brazilian left winger, an American defensive midfielder, Keaton Parts, and from Luxembourg, Maxime Cheneau. So, I mean, you've got some from Luxembourg, some from Slovenia, two countries you don't see represented in MLS all that often, but, you know, that's just fun. Uh, yeah. You it's know, trivia. <laughs> yeah. You know, you swap out Johnson for Matt Freeze, but otherwise there aren't a whole lot of big moves. No, and then like a bear is gone. Maxi Morales left. There's obviously Tati. Um, yeah, yeah. You know, they're a possession-oriented team that likes to transition to the attack pretty quickly. I have them personally as a bubble team that I think makes it in because they still have a lot of experienced players. But if they're out, wouldn't shock me in the slightest. Uh, I, I guess I'll say it because uh, Sean isn't here. I don't think NYCFC will be printing another banner <laughs> at Kinko's. Oh, stop um, it! I... <laughs> <laughs> it's his birthday, come on! It is true. Yeah, that is true. There's your birthday <laughs> present, Sean, that's all yeah. you get. <laughs> he doesn't even listen to these shows, but yes, happy birthday to Sean. Um, no, I've got NYCFC solidly out. I don't have them as a ball team. I see them out. I yeah, wow. I see them like up up on the outside of the table, but I've got them out. I got, I see them placing like ninth. I've got them in seventh place with a lot of teams below them that could easily replace them in the playoffs. But right now, I've got them in seventh place in the playoffs for what that's worth. We'll see. There's a lot of talent still somewhere around that system. They've got a pipeline to bring in more talent. And uh, somebody seems to be a pretty good coach. So we'll see what they can pull off. But uh, the next one on our list is a team. I don't know anything about how they're going to finish. It's the New England Revolution. And Mason's got to run down on them for us. Oh, geez, do I have the New England Revolution. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, we basically we basically picked which teams we were going to cover through dice roll, and I think I came up snake eyes when I got this one. Uh, yeah, Bruce Arena, Bruce Arena's New England Revolution. What have we got? We've got Joshua Bulma, fourth pick overall in the Super Draft after they traded up with San Jose. Another highly rated Generation Adidas midfielder out of the Super Draft. Uh, you might notice that I wrote a lot of these start of the notes right around the Super Draft. <laughs> <laughs> um, here's the big one for the New England Revolution. They get Latif Blessing from LAFC for $400,000 in GAM standout talent mm -hmm. while he was at LAFC spectacular there um he also signed a new contract with the Revs for two years with a contract uh with an option for 2025 and um the only thing I can really say about that is why did you not trade him to us I wanted Latif Blessing and I am not I don't a think Luke Revolution did, but... fan <laughs> I don't think uh, Lutz did, but no, I I know a whole I, lot I, of fans I, did. I I wanted Latif Blessing. He was on my wish list. Anyway, 
Yeah, Latif Blessing. It's Latif Blessing. You know what to get out of Latif Blessing. Dave Romney also joins the New England Revolution out of Nashville. Uh, $525,000 in GAM split over two years. Signed a new contract with the Revs for two years with an option for 2025. Same kind of extension deal that they got with Latif Blessing. Um... Not a lot of big outs for the Revs. I really think that the big one is actually John Bell that we got in the expansion draft. Because I think that he, a lot of fans were big on him. Um, I think he was a big up-and-comer. And I think we kind of got a coup with him. Otherwise, there was really not a lot of movement of names out of the Revs. I know Sam Minton of the Bent Musket blog was telling us personally that uh, we we got a very good one in John Bell. Yeah. So, what are we looking at in New England? What has Foxborough got in store for us? Well, we've got Latif Blessing. Brady? Gar- <laughs> <laughs> no, touchdown he Tom? really retired. Yeah, he- <laughs> What's I, that I music? don't want to do it. <laughs> I don't want to do the Touchdown Tom bit again. <laughs> it seems like the kind of uh, old veteran that uh, Bruce Arena wants on this club, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've got Carlos Heel, uh, obviously. Uh, Giacomo Veroni, uh, designated player forward. Uh, Gustavo Bo, Joshua Bulma, Dylan Barreo, uh, U-22 midfielder. I don't know. It's the New England Revolution. Uh, the big, big change to me is Latif Blessing. Um, in 2022, they were 10th in the Eastern Conference. It did not reach the playoffs, which I think was a devastatingly disappointing season for them. And I have got them in as a bubble team. I think that Latif Blessing could be a huge engine to turn on, like turn back on that offense. But there were no other really big changes. And if this is just an actual downslide for the Revs instead of a blip, then even as good as Latif Blessing is, there he's not going to save him. So that's, that's kind of a, a fate of the soccer gods, in my opinion. What a strange Bruce Arena team we have. Um, you know, he, he loves his veterans, MLS players. And he's got some good ones that he's picked out of the pile. Um, like uh, Tony McNamara is there. Matt Polster's been, done great work for them. Uh, Dave Romney fits in that perfectly. You've got Bobby Wood that they signed as a free agent. Josie Altidore still on the roster. Uh, we can go through the list, uh, but they have some young players with, uh, talent. You got to Farrell, uh, and you got to Juan Jones, who just got his cap, uh, Henry Kessler as a defensive backfield. There's talent and things here. They have, uh, Jordy Petrovic, who they brought in to replace Matt, uh, what's his name? Oh, oh, Turner. Um, <laughs> uh, who who proved? How could you forget be... that? <laughs> I was making a joke. Uh, <laughs> who proved to be perhaps even a greater, more spectacular shot stopper than Matt Turner, who was the best that MLS had ever seen up to that point. 
what a revelation. Uh, Veroni came in at uh, midseason as a DP. See if he can and co- kick on. He got and he got injured. Uh, he came in midseason last year and then was like immediately injured. He played like yeah, what like ninety minutes total, something like. But it all comes more. down. But, it all comes down to Carlos. Carlos Gil is still there, still running the show, still one of the very, very, very best players in MLS. And how the team works around him, and if he can find people to hook up with, they got a level of success. I have them in a group of about five teams on that bubble. Uh, Just outside of the playoffs, they very easily could easily be in the playoffs. Um, The Eastern Conference is going to be... How should I say this? A show at the bottom end of the bracket <laughs> this year. Yeah, I've got them. They're such a bubble team for me. I almost don't want to make a prediction, but I know I kind of have to. That's what you're not paying me for. So I'm going to say they're a bubble team that's in. That's fair. That's very fair. And uh, yeah, it's preseason. <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> and for a team that no one knows what they're ever going to be when the season starts, much like City is this year, it's the New York Red Bulls. And Chris has the distinct pleasure of trying to run down what the Red Bulls are going to be like this year. Chris, what do you got for us? You know, you brought it up during Philadelphia. They have a very similar playing style to what St. Louis is going to be doing. You know, high energy, high press, win the ball back, get it back down the field real quick. Energy drink football from Red Bull. Shocking. So <laughs> where did the name come from? We will never know. <laughs> <laughs> I think they're from Austria. Monster. Um, but they, a lot like Montreal, have a lot of outs. They've lost center back Aaron Long to LAFC. Attacking midfielder Caden Clark, who was from... Red Bull Leipzig on loan. His loan ended, so Caden Clark went back to Germany. They lost forward Patrick Kimala to Israeli team Apoel Beersheva. And St. Louis legend Jake LaCava, who we picked in <laughs> the expansion draft, then immediately flipped to Miami for, ga- for GAM. Hi, bye. <laughs> the ultimate After, St. Louis trivia name to know, Jake LaCava. I gotta yeah, get after a jersey we with get his done name recording. On I've got some hot glued macaroni. I'm gonna make a statue for outside the stadium. <laughs> a shrine. Uh, look, Jake, LaCava, Jake LaCava, every day I wake up and I salute in your name because you were the first player ever to to come yeah. to MLS in this. In the we draft. joke about the circumstances, but he appears to be a pretty dang good player and mm. probably somebody good to have him develop. Yep. Yeah. They do have coming in, though, two center forwards, uh, Dante Vazanier, a Belgian player who is coming from Union SG from the Belgium League, and Corey Burke coming in from Philadelphia. So those are two pretty good pickups. They still have their key players, Lewis Morgan, who is a left winger from Scotland, Christian Ciceris Jr., who is a Venezuelan center midfielder, and Luquinas, the Brazilian attacking midfielder. But I'm looking at all the talent they lost over the year. And even though they were 
fourth in the Eastern Conference this past season. I have them joining New York City FC as being a decision day out team. It's hard to say. Red Bulls make the playoffs, and now they've got the longest running streak. Now the uh, Seattle's broke theirs. Uh, they just keep making the playoffs. They just never win. Uh, going back to the Metro Stars, uh, we just don't know. The system is the star, right? Uh, we're hearing that a lot. Uh, there's a lot to like on this team. Klamala never kicked on. Corey Burke is a nice physical addition at forward for him. Uh, Cornell's a good goalkeeper. I, I just don't know. I don't know. It, it, a lot of it, you know, John Tolkien at fullback, we saw him uh, play in the recent uh, Camp Cupcake January window in the friendlies. Uh, let's see how long they can hold on to him. He's like 20 years old. He's been in MLS for a long time, a homegrown, as they do. Uh, keep an eye on him. Kyle Duncan's back. Uh, was that all alone? I've got him. I've got him in the playoffs because they always make the playoffs and don't do anything there. I've got him in pretty high, to be honest. What do you think, Mason? I hemmed and hawed on this for 45 minutes of the hour and a half that I spent making my picks <laughs> because I like Red Bulls are a good team. And I'm looking at these players here. They got Corey Book, a Corey Burke, a big target forward that I think is actually going to play really nice in their system. Um you know, and just it's just it's Red Bulls. They're just good. But then on the other hand, it's there. It's also like yeah, I just said it's Red Bulls. They're good. Honestly, I thought that them getting into the playoffs last year was kind of almost a fluke, <laughs> which is like insulting to say, I know. But like when 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 I look at their at that team, at the casual perspective that I have, I don't see why what they're doing is working. Um, I guess I'm not the looking system as critically is a star. at star. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know. Get I, used I guess to I, it, like son. I'm, <laughs> I don't know, but yeah, I, I, I hemmed and hawed on this for a long time, but I was finally like, look, one of these teams I have to put in. I can't have eight teams on my bubble. I've got <laughs> rebels in. Yeah, there we go. And, um, uh, we're saving uh, one of the most interesting clubs in the Eastern Conference for last, but uh, the team I get is probably not the one that you'd call the most interesting. But there is some interest here in what's going on. It is uh, DC United, most notable for their head coach, Wayne Rooney. Perhaps you've DC heard of United him. is a Grecian, <laughs> like a Grecian tragedy. <laughs> Perhaps you've heard of them. Uh, perhaps you heard that uh, they finished 14th in the Eastern Conference last season. Uh, picking up the wooden spoon. They are one of the original MLS clubs. A long history of great play. Uh, but that history is long gone. Uh, and what can we say about them? Uh, coming off of the wooden spoon, winning, you know, does that count as silverware? Because it's wooden. 
Uh, I don't uh, know. Uh, is is there a is there a term for woodware, or is it just that? <laughs> Only in MLS. Only in MLS. But, but boy, this is a team that made wholesale changes to their roster. I mean, they kicked everybody out and brought in everybody new. Um, as you would expect, Wayne Rooney coming in half season. Now he's shaping it, sort of like Bob Bradley being stuck with what he had in Toronto now getting a chance to rebuild uh there uh out is this is a shocker out his longtime stalwart goalkeeper bill hamid he did miss quite a few matches last season both due to personal reasons and for injury also gone is forward ole kamara uh david achoya is gone the goalkeeper lightning rod uh flash of the pan for real salt lake and uh, right wing, right back, whatever you think he does, it, Brad Smith, they're gone. They even got rid of their GM in Lucy Rustin. Uh, Rooney and DC United are rebuilding the squad from the back forward. They brought in Tyler Miller to replace Amid, and Alex Bono is on board to push him. Pedro Santos comes in as a free agent from Columbus to provide uh, attack from the back to replace Smith while letting impressive uh, midfielder Sofane Jeffall go to the re-entry draft to Austin. Austin moved up to kind of steal him a back away. I kind of think United was thinking about uh, uh, drafting their own player, but that didn't happen. Somebody else wanted him. He was a good midfielder for them last season. It's kind of a shock to see him bring in. But then they went out and brought in veteran midfielder Matthias Kleisch from Leeds United. He's a DP signing. He was able to come over because he kind of got pushed out of favor at Leeds by Tyler Adams. Uh, they spent $800,000 uh, to sign Mohan Jeheze from Hammerby in Sweden to be their left back. He's under a TAM deal. They swapped the number two pick in the Super, Dro- Super Trap pick for Ruan. Super Droofed. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, from Orlando City, because uh, Orlando City has a youngster that they kind of pushed out Ruan. Good pickup, actually, for DC United. And they get Derek Williams from the Alex Galaxy for $180,000 in 2024 GAM. Not even this year's GAM. Um, tells you how bad the uh, defense was in the LA Galaxy for the past few years. Uh, these changes speak of a desire for dynamism in attack and more spine in the defense. Pretty much what you expect from a team trying to recover from being the worst team in the league. Uh, Rooney is hoping for Christian Benteke to be a world-class striker for TC United as he used to be for the likes of Liverpool and, and uh Build a strong DP partnership in forward with the talented Taxi Fontas, who supplied 12 goals and three assists last season in just 21 games. He's a talent. Chris Durkin, the homegrown, he'll be there in the midfield with Ravel Morrison that they picked up at the midseason, and uh, Russell Canals are there to welcome Cleish. If Rooney is going to get this team to kick off and to kick off his own big-time coaching career, which is why he came back to MLS, he needs to mold the talent here into a competitive team pushing to make the playoffs. And I think 
that the changes that they made are good, but there's a lot of them to work with. Um, and that's going to be the challenge for this squad. <laughs> Asking to make the playoffs is a big, huge jump in the standings. I, I don't see anything here to say that they're they're going to really move up, uh, yeah. move up in the pecking order. They're out. Yeah, no, I would be very, very, very shocked if they make the playoffs. Yeah, not not only is DC not going to make the playoffs, they're they're also quite frankly kind of hubristic in not just doing an entire rebuild. Uh, much like the uh, the city they're named after, uh, this is a it's a system that's not working, and yet they refuse to to reform it. <laughs> I, I mean, know, I don't man. know how you could look at how many roster moves they have made and not call it a rebuild. I mean, Bill Hamid's gone, Ola Kamara. That there's a lot of people that are gone, but um, they've been but they've been rebuilding for like for. Like what? Like two seasons, three seasons. Yeah, and just it, and yet, yeah. like, refuse to refuse to call it that, and and like refuse to do the complete tear down, complete rebuild that apparently they need to do. I just because uh, I I guess like I don't know like what like the bones are too ancient and must be but must be revered. Like I don't know. Like there seems to be a discrepancy between what Rooney wants out of the squad. And quite frankly, what the ownership led by uh, Jason Levin and Stephen Kaplan uh, are really going to provide for him with a lot. They do a lot of talk, but it's DC. Yeah. Yeah. Just don't know. We'll see. We will see. But to finish up the Eastern Conference previews is a team I'm very interested in hearing about. If we thought we didn't know where to slot in New England. What are we going to think about Atlanta United? Clear this up for us, Chris. Um, I mean, I have my opinion, but my opinion is pretty strong. So I imagine we <laughs> differ. Uh, I mean, the headline for Atlanta United is that face of the franchise is gone. Joseph Martinez left on a free transfer to Inter Miami because he was very vocally unhappy by the end of the se- of last season what direction the team is going in. And if the longtime face of your franchise and best player is leaving because he's publicly unhappy with the way his team runs run, that is either the biggest red flag that you have some serious issues or you're being coached by Mike Keenan, which really is still <laughs> column A. <laughs> Mike Keenan. <laughs> so oh, what a shout. <laughs> They've not only lost Martinez, they've also lost center back George Campbell. They have brought in Derek Etienne Jr., a left winger from Colorado, and Luis Sebrum, which is a center back from Granada. Not Granada the country, but Granada the uh, La Liga 2 team in Spain. Um, And they still have World Cup winner Tiago Almada, the Argentinian attacking midfielder, Luis Arujo, the Brazilian right winger, and Miles Robinson, who is a center back from America, who's featured for the national team, but he's currently injured. <laughs> so, you, you may have heard of him. <laughs> you know, if he gets better and comes back healthy, then that's a good pickup. But I mean, really, the headline is that they don't have a single player 
left on their roster that has scored more than 10 goals with the team. They had a really rough season last year. They've brought in a few okay transfers, but not really. So on my sheet, when I have the question of are they in or they out, my answer is I think they're boned. I think they are. They're screwed. I This is going to be an awful season for them. I have them circling the drain with Chicago and Kansas City for the wooden spoon. Ooh, shots fired at Casey. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, Atlanta has been spiraling these last few years, and they are now spiraling so violently they are shedding parts. Jose Martinez, the face of the, or Joseph Martinez, the, the face of the franchise is gone um, in a quite public eruption at the state of the club. Um, I don't think that Joseph Martinez actually really wanted to leave Atlanta. He wanted things to be better there. And in quite frankly, I think that what the front office thought was, well, rather than fix anything, we'll get rid of him. Um, sometimes the squeaky real wheel does not get the grease. It gets the ax. Um, now th- this is a, uh, this is a team that, uh, used to be kind of a shining jewel of MLS and is, uh, plummeting quite frankly. I did notice that, uh, when you talked about who's incoming to the squad, you didn't mention the big one. Um, they've got a new president of operations there. Uh, used to be sporting director at uh, Seattle. And oh, what's just, his face? Oh, I geez. just for completely <laughs> forgot his name. Gareth Loggerway? That's it. Yes. Thank you. No, not Gareth. Garth Loggerway. Garth, Garth Loggerway. Garth, thank you. What's thank the you. difference between Garth and Gareth? <laughs> Aside um, from an E. An what's e. an E amongst friends? If his name was Gareth Loggerway, then Mike would call him Christian Loggerway. <laughs> That's right. I was about to say. That's the difference. Okay, let me go back to my thought here. But the, the yeah, the biggest one we lost with, uh, was Garth Loggerway coming in as president, and he has let go of players that really underperform for the team. He's loaned out a lot of people. They're off the roster. Uh don't know if what he's brought in is going to change things. Miles Robinson, uh, Brad Guzan coming back from serious, serious Achilles injuries. Will they go to be up for it? I don't know. Uh, they're interesting. I've got them in the mix because there's a huge mix between between sixth place and let's say 14th place in the East that any of these clubs could step up. They can do it. There's talent on this team um, to get it done. But will they mesh? Will they become a real team? Yeah, that's 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 hard to say. I'd have to say they're out. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, I said that DC United was a was a Grecian tragedy, but really Atlanta United is the most like. Uh, like emblematic of hubris they are they are the ones that 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 try to become as gods and ergo are punished for for their failings yeah. um, i mean it's standard north american sports you win the championship then a few years later you're struggling very few teams can keep up this level of success for a long time with just the way these leagues are set up 
and, and it's, United, it's also very emblematically Atlanta to do yeah. this. <laughs> They're paying the but, price for their championship. There is a world where Diego Almada, with another season under his belt in MLS, really kicks on. Uh, hooks up with uh, Luis Arajo. Uh, hooks up with uh, Etienne Jr. Uh, and really makes things happen. Things, uh, you know, Miles Robinson coming back, if he's even a shadow, improves their defense. Uh, people like uh, Mourinho, uh, Marcelo Mourinho, though talented, just wasn't on the same page with the rest of his team. He's gone. And uh, one thing I do have to say about Atlanta, if you pull up their website and you look on their roster, they have... A number 17, a defender listed on their roster is S Atlanta. Click to it. They've kept a place on the roster for supporters of Atlanta United. Yeah, they're going to need that it this nice. year when they're circling the drain. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it is, that's nice, but yeah. it seems quaint, but it's nice. And yeah, I wouldn't Atlanta even call it quaint. I would call team. it twee. <laughs> There is you know, a, a fine team, line, and yeah. I do appreciate their that. fans like that. It's good to see, and um, it's really going to take on a different meaning right now when they are going to be really hoping the fans stay through this rough patch. Especially <laughs> after losing uh, Martinez. Yeah, that's the thing is, right, is that like that's not done out of uh, love of the supporters. That's done out of desperation for <laughs> the yeah. supporters. Listen, I still have somewhere at my parents' house a Blues Whatever It Takes bumper sticker from when the Blues were so bad, they had an ad campaign saying, whatever it takes to keep you as a fan, will do it. <laughs> they projected it onto the ice because they know they were doing so badly. Oh, man. And um, preview for next season, I think, actually. But that's, uh, that's a good story. Yeah. 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 Look, we got our cup. I am satisfied, at least for yeah. a little bit, but the blues are not good. <laughs> you know, you grew up the whole time and you think, God, if we could just win one cup, I'll be happy. And the that's going to be tested now. <laughs> I'm still happy. I'm still happy. I'm easily pleased, but the shine is starting to rub off even for me. <laughs> yeah. But they have a real you know, they lost the NFL. They had it open. It was them and the Cardinals in the market. And here comes St. Louis City with a big fanfare and a lot. Thou- tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands interested people. The Blues going to have to step up their game, to be quite honest. I don't want to get into this right now because we have been recording for like eight hours today. But... um no, Blues fans are not going to stop being Blues fans and start being St. Louis City fans. They are going to also be St. Louis City fans. Mm-hmm. I, I agree, but that's not the way the front office thinks. They want to win the uh, win their season and get the headlines. There's a sure. lot of PR involved in that. So that wraps up a lengthy Eastern Conference preview for a very hefty uh, 15 team Eastern Conference. Something to look forward to as we get into MLS play with St. Louis City SC. Uh, one voice that we didn't have sharing his enlightened uh, viewpoint about this 
is our own Sean Campbell. Uh, he escaped the cave and is on vacation, but he did write in to give some of his picks of how he thinks the Eastern Conference is going to go. And uh, do you have that handy, Mason? Yeah, I received it in a postcard, um, very fittingly, <laughs> uh, sent from Boston. Um, yeah, so I've I've got his picks, um, what he thinks. He gave a mock table, um, you know. As a birthday present to him, because I am flat broke and can't actually give him anything, I am just going to read what he wrote verbatim. Teams that are in. Union. Obvious pick is obvious. Crew. Provided Cucho and Zela continue to produce. Nashville. Return without skipping a beat. Red Bulls, New York. I see no major reason they don't make it. NYCFC. First to be on the bubble if there is a surprise team. Cincy, provided they continue to score in droves. Bold prediction. Toronto FC. Huge upgrade, but do they click? Teams in the hunt on decision day. Revs. Was 2021 a fluke? Then prove it. Miami. Squeaked in barely last year. Will their transfer help? We will see. Charlotte, could see it clicking this year, but not quite like Austin last year. Bold pick, CF Montreal, lost a lot of talent, huge shoes to fill, doubt it happens. Teams irrelevant on decision day. DC United, Rooney can't turn around that quickly. Orlando, just seems the outs outweigh the ins here. Atlanta, the collapse has been looking to come for a while. It happens now. Fire. Can see them moving up a group if they make a solid midseason pickup. They need some help, especially with Gaga Gagon. Thank you, Sean, for your inspiring words. That's right. We we really hate to sound that unenthusiastic about it, but we've been recording for a very long time. We're all very <laughs> We've <tired>. been recording <laughs> for six hours. Sean, your input I'm is sorry, Sean, I'm just tired. But <laughs> I did oh my, my utmost to give you give your words life, but I just don't have it in me anymore, buddy. <laughs> and if, if you think this preview of the Eastern Conference went on a long time, wait till we do the West with Sean to add in his thought. <laughs> But uh, we'll handle that on another week. Well, that's about all we have for this week's episode of the Soccer Capital Podcast. For Sean Campbell, Chris Zimmerman, and our producer Mason, I'm your host, Mike Turner. Thanks for listening, and bye for now.